All right, we're in, uh, as you guys know, we're in the book of Luke, and we've been in the book of Luke. I have a lot to cover today. Um, I actually need to start by apologizing to Sarah and her team because I did not stick the landing for a service, and we went like 10 minutes long, and I'm sorry. And I also, I really appreciate you guys, and I hate when I do that. So we're going to do better. But luckily, she's here, so if I start going long, she can just start hitting me as she signs. Like, what do you think? So you, you have permission. Um, but anyway, we're in Luke 11, so I want you to open up your Bibles. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through um, quite a few of these scriptures um, through 11 and 12, um, but I want you to start uh, Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to, um, I want to read to you in Luke chapter 1 the opening of what Luke is saying. He says, he says to us, in so much as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding, say that, perfect understanding, of all the things from the very first to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you have been instructed, in which you were instructed. So Theophilus actually means lover of God. I don't know if you guys know that. So most excellent lover of God in so much as that I have a perfect understanding of these things. I want to entrust this narrative to you so that you can have certainty about the things that you're being instructed into. So Luke wrote this book for us and, and he, or he wrote it for Theophilus, but obviously it's for us as well. How many of you in here are lovers of God? Come on. And how many of you want to make sure that you are getting a perfect understanding, a perfect knowledge of how to walk out this kingdom that we've been called to and this gospel of the kingdom that Jesus has given us? Like, you don't want to be, you and I want to do it right. Like, if you're going to do it, we might as well do it right. Amen? Because God knows it costs something, doesn't it? I mean, it's not like this is just an easy thing. It's very challenging. It's very much worth it, but it's taking our whole lives, isn't it? So there's a desire to have a certainty of what it is that we've been called to. And so, so, so Luke is giving us the teachings of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom, so that we then can live this out with certainty and perfect understanding. All right, so that's the context. Now I want to start walking you through, with that in mind, I want you to walk you through, Luke used the word narrative. I want to walk you through the narrative of a perfect understanding of how the kingdom works. And, and Paul is curating the story for us. And at the beginning of each of these paragraphs, there's some interesting language that, that he uses. Um, for instance, in uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, Now it came to pass... As he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, and he taught them the Lord's Prayer. Now notice those words, and it came to pass. I'm going to point out all of these narrative words that Luke is bringing, because what I want you to catch here in 11 and 12 is that Luke is sharing the story with us so that we understand how the kingdom works, and he is letting us know, like, listen, this is really important that you would have a perfect understanding of the kingdom, that you catch what Jesus said in the order that he said it. Are you with me? So he says, okay, it came to pass. They asked him, how do we pray? In other words, how do we be effective in the kingdom, Jesus? We've seen that when you pray, 
that demons get cast out, people get healed, eyes of the blind uh, are able to see, seen some people get raised from the dead, and, and beyond that, we're seeing a ton of people responding to the kingdom effectively, and they're, they're starting to become followers of God. And you know what they're noticing? is like, our prayers don't, they're not as spicy as yours. Yours are working pretty good. Teach us how to do it like you're doing it. And so Jesus says, well, let me teach you. And Jesus lays out this beautiful, succinct outline, honestly, of the gospel of the kingdom. First of all, Father, holy is your name. We have a Father. Your kingdom come. Let the kingdom come. Let it be on earth, right, as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. You are our provision, Lord. We're not providing for ourselves. You're providing for us. Forgive us our sins. We're all fallen short of the glory of God, and we all need to repent of our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us, the Lord says, if you don't forgive others, I also won't forgive you. You got to forgive. Why? Because you're loving God, and you're loving your neighbor. You repent to the Lord because you receive his love, and you want to follow him, and you forgive your neighbor because you love them, and Jesus forgave you, so you forgive them. And then lastly, lead us not into temptation. Why is that important? Because you guys, we are tempted every day, aren't we? And I'm so glad that the Lord's prayer has that in there, that he's saying, lead us away from temptation, Lord. Lead us away from giving in to the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Come on, right? We're tempted with those things every day. We're tempted with the, with the desire and the, and the current of the world is essentially is like, I will define reality. I will be the God of my own life and I will do things my way when I feel like it because I feel like it because I'm me. Amen? How many times do we hear people basically saying, well, if I were God, I wouldn't do it that way. Well, isn't that just the definition of the pride of life, the lust of the eyes and the lust of flesh, right? Is that I'm smarter than God and I will define reality. And we're tempted by that, guys. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? We're tempted to do that. We're sucked into that. We see that all the time, all right? So Jesus gives us this prayer and he says, as you're living, you're gonna need to be praying this and you're gonna be seeing this until I come. Because this is, this right here is actually what the kingdom looks like. And praise God we have a dad, right? Amen. I'm so excited that our, that our dad is the creator. And I'm so excited that the creator is a dad. Imagine if he was like Thor. Aren't you glad that our dad isn't Thor? Hallelujah. That's a say law. So then Jesus says, okay, you want to know how to pray? He teaches him how to pray. But then he immediately connects it. It says, uh, it says here in verse 5 through uh, 13, he said to them, and he said to them, am I going too fast? No, you're good. Oh, man. Come on. Wonder Woman over here. And he said to them, I just want to see what Wonder Woman looked like. Because that's what I kind of expected like some or something. Okay. He said to them, when you pray, you need to be persistent. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. You need to be persistent. And he, said, and he gives the example of the bread at midnight, right? How many of you, if you, if you go to your neighbor and you ask for some bread, he's going to help you out, not because it's convenient, but because you keep banging on the door and saying, I need help to help with these people. And he says, because of your persistence, then he'll give you the bread. And he shares. He says, I want you to ask. I want you to knock. I want you to seek when you're praying. He's saying, don't give up when you're praying, guys. This is part of what I do with my dad is I don't give up when I'm praying. And I want you to do the same. Don't give up when you're praying. And then he immediately connects it with something. He says, how much more, he, he, shares the, he shares the parable. He says, if you guys ask, uh, uh, if your sons or daughters asked you for bread or they asked you for a fish or something to eat, you wouldn't give them a stone, you wouldn't give them a scorpion, you wouldn't give them a serpent. And he connects, how do you pray? How do you operate in the kingdom? He immediately connects it then with the Holy Spirit. He says, pray like this, but understand this. Everything that I'm doing is through the Holy Spirit. And he says, you need to ask God for the Holy Spirit. 
You need to ask God for the Holy Spirit and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And the reason why he uses the parable of the scorpion and the serpent is because he's saying, listen, my father is not gonna give you a demon if you ask for the Holy Spirit. Now remember, Luke is telling us the story of Jesus so that we'll understand how the kingdom works, right? These things I understand perfectly so that you can have a certainty of what you believe, amen? All right, Theophiluses. So he's, he's talking to us, Theophilus, whoo, Theophiluses. What is Theophilus? Oh, you spell it, okay. So Theophilus, <laughs> I feel like there's definitely gonna be a debrief and I'm gonna be in a little bit of trouble. But until then, he says, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit and you need to be confident you won't get a demon. Now look at the very next thing. And as he was casting out a demon, See what, see what Luke's doing here? So he goes, we wanna know how to pray. Here's how you pray. You're gonna need the Holy Spirit to pray. You're gonna need the Holy Spirit in order to operate in the way that I operate. And then he turns around and he says, don't worry, when you ask for the Holy Spirit, you won't get a demon, but the people around here are gonna accuse you that you have a demon. But don't worry, dad's not gonna give you a demon. He's gonna give you the Holy Spirit. And then he, then he gives us an example, and he was casting out a demon. So he starts casting out a demon, and the people say, he's casting out a demon. Jesus, you're casting out a demon by the power of Beelzebub. And, and Jesus says to them, as you guys have read this week, Jesus says to them, listen, if I'm casting out Beelzebub, or casting out demons by the name of Beelzebub, first of all, a kingdom that's divided against itself can't stand, so that doesn't make any sense. And secondly, your sons cast out demons, so if that's the only way to do it, then who are they casting out demons by? Then he goes further and he says this, and even, let's just set aside for a moment who's casting these demons out. Let's just say Beelzebub did cast these demons out, and he says, when demons get cast out, they go out into arid places seeking rest. And if that house is swept clean, in other words, the person who had the demon is now empty of demons, their house is swept clean, but there's no one there, then that demon comes back and brings seven worse demons, and he's in a worse spot than he was originally. And what's he pointing at? your house needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit or you're gonna end up with demons anyway. Are you with me? So he's saying it's vital that you have the Holy Spirit in you and don't worry, dad is not gonna let you get tricked and end up with a demon if you ask for the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. So it says, okay, so, so he shares that, all right? He's casting out a demon, he says, don't worry. And then it says, and it happened as he spoke these things. So we're still in the same narrative. Are you guys tracking this? We're in the same conversation here. So this is a busy day, a lot going on today, but we're still in the same day. It happened as he spoke these things that a woman stood up and she says in, uh, in verse 27, 11, 27, you guys got your Bibles there? It happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So she was saying, blessed is the family that you're a part of. Blessed are the people that are related to you. Blessed is the, is the group that you're a part of. And he goes, oh, if you wanna know about how to get into the group, more blessed are you if you hear my words and obey them than my own mother. You see that? So he's saying, if you wanna be in the kingdom, if you wanna be a part of my kingdom, here's the great news. All you gotta do is hear my words and obey them. And then you're more blessed than even my own mama. Come on. Aren't you guys glad we got access to the kingdom? So, so he speaks this, all right? So it's, um, here's how to pray. Here's the Holy Spirit. Here's how you're gonna be filled with the Spirit of God. And here's how you're gonna be blessed. Don't just hear my words. Obey them. 
and be blessed, be filled and led by my spirit. So he's talking about the kingdom. And remember, Theophilus is, we're learning how to walk in the kingdom. Jesus is teaching us how to walk in the kingdom with power. So we need the Holy Spirit. Then we go to the next verse, and it says again, and while the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say. Now, there were two things that they said previously. They said, number one, you're casting out demons by Beelzebub. Number two, we seek a sign. And Jesus is answering both of these things. So the crowds began to thickly gather together. He just addressed the the issue of Beelzebub. Now he addresses the next issue. You're looking for a sign. He says, a wicked generation asks for a sign. A wicked generation, he says, here's the sign I'm gonna give you, the sign of Jonah. And he says, and also, just so you know, in the end of the age, when everybody stands up to give an account for how they lived in this life, the queen of Sheba and Nineveh are gonna judge you. He lists two people that are not Israelis, two groups of people that are not Israelis. He says, these aren't even chosen people. And I didn't even appear to them, but they were smart enough to come into the kingdom when Jonah talked to him. And I'm greater than Jonah and I'm here and you won't even hear me. And he says, so you know who's gonna judge you? These guys, because they actually responded. So you're, you're not without guilt here because someone greater than Jonah is here and you're rejecting me. Do you see that? So he's saying, you need to receive me. And, he, and, he, and then he, he takes him and then he goes into the next uh, section here. Are you guys still tracking with me? I know I'm covering a lot. Verse 33, he says, he, he says okay, so these guys are going to judge you because you're not responding to me, Jesus. Now catch this, verse 33. No one, when he has, a, has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is also full of darkness. And what he's saying is, I'm not hidden, guys. I'm standing right here, and I'm the light of the world. Now, if you will receive me and see me with your whole heart, your whole self will be full of light. But if you're gonna pick and choose, then be careful that the things that you think are lighting up your life and making you understand what's going on in the world is not actually darkness. You have to choose to accept me. I'm the light and accept me in every part of your life. Don't have one part that accepts me and another part that's full of darkness. Do you see that? You say you have to accept everything that I'm telling you. So we're unpacking this. So Theophilus says, do you hear Luke saying, this is how this works and this is how we're gonna operate in the kingdom. So he's going somewhere. Be praying the prayer, stay connected with the kingdom, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Accept that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and listen to his teachings and do them. This is what we've learned thus far. You guys tracking? All right, so he, he, he finishes saying this. Then, wow, as he spoke, So he's in the middle of this conversation. As he's speaking, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. All right, so verse 37. And as he spoke, the certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he did not first, that that he had not first washed before dinner. And then the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather, give alms of such things as you have, and then indeed all things are clean to you. This is an interesting space here. What happens is he sits down with the Pharisee, and the Pharisee is surprised that Jesus doesn't do a ceremonial washing. Now, the ceremonial washing was not about cleanliness as though like, like you and I wash our hands before we eat 
germs. These were ceremonial washings that had a certain amount of water and a certain thing that you did because you were fulfilling the works that the Pharisees had added to the Mosaic law. They had done a good job coming up with a whole bunch of awesome legalistic uh, practices that were required of you so that you could be following. Oftentimes Jesus would say, you created traditions of men and not God, right? So this is something, and Jesus says to them, listen, you, you think this is all about cleaning the outside? And he says, let me tell you something. You're talking about cleaning the outside of the dish and being clean, as it were? He says, listen, you're full of greed and wickedness. You're full of greed and wickedness. And he goes on, listen to this. He says, woe to you Pharisees, verse 42, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and you pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Woe to you Pharisees, you love the best seats in the synagogues and greeting in the marketplaces. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like graves which are not seen and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. Now, this is intense. Jesus is saying to the most righteous people of the day who are phenomenal tithers, when he's talking about you tithe, not only your mint, but also your rue. Rue was an herb that wasn't listed in the Mosaic law of one of those things that you needed to tithe. Like you're going above and beyond what's even written in the law and you think you're awesome because you're tithing on that and you think that's making you clean on the inside because you look so good on the outside. And he says, but here's the thing I have to say about you. You're full of greed and wickedness And he says, you ought to have done, these you ought to have done without leaving the other undone. He says, you ought to have tithed, good job there. You're setting aside a tenth for the work of of the gospel. Good job, keep doing that. However, you're actually called to a life of generosity where you see the poor, you see people and things that are going on and you are to be moved to take the the wealth that you have, the things that you've accumulated and go above and beyond the the tithe. And he says, in fact, the reason why you're not doing that is because you care more about how you look in public and the fact that you're esteemed in people's eyes and you care more about your own greed than you do about being moved by the generosity of God. How many of you guys know that the love of God is shown in his generosity? See, we represent a kingdom that has everything to do with everything. There isn't a part of this kingdom that God's going, oh, well, it's about this and it's about this, but it's not about that. No, he's saying the kingdom of heaven is all about that my father, everything you have has been given to you by him. And you gotta remember that the father is the one who gave and is giving Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that's ever been given to mankind, who's coming to redeem all things, and that's us, as well as all things, back to the father, is doing it at the cost of his own life. What did he say? Greater love has no one than this than to lay down their life for their brothers. And Jesus the most valuable of all is gonna give his life to redeem things. And he's saying to the Pharisee, listen, you're full of greed and wickedness. You're not even willing to share money with the poor and those that need it because you want it for yourself. That's what you care about. So it's great that you're tithing. You need to continue to do that, but you need to understand that the area where you're unclean is actually that you're not a person of generosity. And my kingdom is all about generosity and justice. Do you see that? And in fact, he says, you think you're living a clean life and helping people? And he uses the example of an unmarked grave. Why? Because in the Mosaic law, you weren't to touch a dead body and you weren't to step over a grave. That's where a dead body was. You're unclean if you step on a grave. And he's saying, when people get near you and you teach them all these rules and show your lifestyle as how you're somehow bringing them closer to God, I'm telling you they're actually unclean when they get around you. 
strong words. This, this is after he invited Jesus to lunch. I think sometimes we, we need to allow ourselves, Jesus is so kind, by the way, it's his kindness that leads to repentance, but it's important that we do look at him. He's saying, I'm not hidden, guys. These things are not hidden. I'm a lamp on a stand, and I want to light up your whole life. But sometimes for us, what we do is we have certain parts of our life, and for the Pharisees, it was greed. It was the place of managing wealth, and he's coming in, and he's going, I want to light up your whole life, and they're going, I don't, I'm not interested in that. And we need to say, Lord, if I'm being a hypocrite in some place in my life and saying I'm a Christ follower, but my whole life isn't aligned with you, then Father, forgive me, but please don't go easy on me. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, but sometimes we need to be led to repentance. And they're asking Jesus, how does the kingdom work? And he goes, I'll tell you how it works. Bring your whole self to me, which means your whole self. It means everything that you are and everything that you own you bring to me. And he's bringing a point to this. And what you've got to understand, Theophilus, is, is that this is Jesus' teaching to us. Luke is saying the kingdom of heaven is about how you manage your money. It's not all it's about, but it's a large part of what it's about. Jesus did a lot of teaching about two things that aren't real popular to talk about here in the West. Money and hell. <laughs> wow, Jesus, take it easy. You're not very politically correct. <laughs> Well, the one who gave his whole life for us that we would be redeemed from death and live forever doesn't have to be politically correct. He's the king of kings. And he's doing this because, this because he loves us. And he's the God that says, if you will follow me, then blessed are you if you hear my word and obey it, not just hear it and not cherry pick the parts you like. I like eternal life, but I don't like to share. Right? I like being, I like being forgiven, but I don't want to like be generous. I want him to say, come into heaven, but I don't want to have to obey what he says. And Jesus is saying to the Pharisees when they're having that response, he's saying, you're actually a hypocrite. And then the very thing it says, uh, the next one, a lawyer says to him, a lawyer says to him, Lord, when you're bringing all these things up, you're reproaching us too. And he says to the lawyer, listen, you've created a bunch of rules and regulations, but you've actually kept people from me. You've made the law so complicated that people don't even come to the conclusion and Jesus summarized, if you recall, the law and the prophets with this, love God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbors yourself. This summarizes all the law and the prophets. And he said, all of the scriptures speak of me, yet you reject me. So he says to the lawyers, you're busted too. You guys are just heaping burdens on people and you've taken away the key of knowledge, which is me. Now, let's get into 12. In the meantime, so, so you see this? Boom, 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 quite a day. In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people, you guys with me on verses 12, 1 through 12, they had gathered together, so they were trampling one another, and he began to say to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. You guys, I wanna, I wanna bring, uh, uh, this, is a strong, this is a strong word from the Lord, but what I want you to understand is that, that Jesus is about to break into what hypocrisy looks like, and then as we're getting, we're gonna walk through this, but here's the preamble. I want you to be aware of the, of the leaven, which is the teaching of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, that if you'll follow these particular rules, then you don't have to follow through on it in the rest of your life, in these other areas of your life. And now what he's gonna do is he's gonna break down and he's gonna spend the rest of this chapter now talking about where they're being hypocrites. And he's telling them, you don't be a hypocrite in this area. And you know what this area is? Money. Here we go. 
Beware of hypocrisy. How many of you guys have ever heard someone specifically when you, I'm sorry, let me say it like this. How many of us have seen that in the area when someone is very frustrated with the gospel of the kingdom, they'll usually tell you about a hypocritical Christian? Amen? We've all heard this. But what I have noticed is that with the comment about a hypocritical Christian, it's not that people are upset about what Christians believe most of the time. It's that they're not following through with what they believe. People don't get mad at you when you're a hypocrite because you're not doing what you believe. They're getting mad at you because you say you believe something and your life doesn't match it. And we are to be the most generous people on the face of the earth that we're demonstrating with everything that has been entrusted with the, to us what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Because God is the most, genera- most generous being who created us and gave Jesus to prove how generous he is. And on top of that, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And on top of this, everything that we have was given by him. And then he says, now I want you to steward everything that you have the same way that my father stewards his kingdom. And when we don't do that, what Luke is telling us, what, what, I'm sorry, what Jesus is telling us and Luke is bringing to us is he's saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Because they're saying, you just have to do these certain things, but don't worry about don't worry about how you do, don't worry about how you manage money. It's not that important. So then Jesus starts to break down this teaching. He says, there's nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you've spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you've spoken in the ear and the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops. Now, it's interesting because Jesus just got done talking to the Pharisees to say, you clean the outside of the cup, but inside you're full of greed. You look good on the outside, but you're not a generous person. Make sure that you're generous and then your whole self will be clean. Isn't that amazing? It's pretty incredible what the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and pride of life will get us to do if we don't look at Jesus and turn those into actions of obedience. Then he continues. He says, friends, in verse four, I say to you, don't be afraid of those who kill the body and afterwards they have no more that they can kill. So he's saying, you're gonna have to resist the Pharisees and honestly, they're gonna kill you guys. We know this, right? That all the apostles except John were martyred and he goes, don't worry about the fact that they can kill your body because I'll tell you, Jesus, my father, he has the power to not only kill your body but then throw your soul into hell. So don't worry about it. All they can do is kill your body. I got everlasting life for you and a reward for how well you've stewarded in this life. So don't even worry about the fact that Pharisees have political control right now. That'll come and go. You guys follow me, amen? And that same promises to us, Theophilus. And he says, listen, five sparrows are sold for a small amount of money. You matter way more to God than those things. He knows what you need. Then he says, also I say to you, if you confess me before men, then I will confess you before God. All right, so then, then, then verse 13, 12, 13, here we go. And then one from the crowd gets it. Oh, you're talking about money. <laughs> I love it. I love money. So he says, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So he gets it. He's like, oh, you're, you act, your kingdom actually involves like stewardship, Well, that's awesome because my brother got the inheritance and he's not sharing it with me. Now, we don't know if this means that the brother got a whole inheritance and wouldn't share it or in Jewish days, this was most likely that they all got an inheritance, but the oldest brother gets a double inheritance, right? A double portion was how this worked in uh, in Judaism. And Jesus says to him, this is interesting, he says, man, (laughs) man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator between, or an arbiter between you? This is verse 14. He said to him, take heed and beware of covetousness 
which is envy. I want what you have. He says, because your life doesn't consist in the abundance of the things you possess. So he's telling the, the younger brother, listen, don't be covetous of what your brother has. What is that to you? Your life is worth a whole lot more than possessions. But then he continues on and gives a parable and he says, there was the ground of a certain rich man that had a huge bumper crop. And so that man said to his soul, verse 19, soul, you've had many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. And then whose things will these be that you've provided? And he said, so it is with everyone who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Do you notice that Jesus just spoke to both the brothers in that moment? See, he spoke to the one brother that he's saying, are you being equitable and stewarding this double portion or this inheritance that you have? Like if you think you're gonna say to your soul, soul, take it easy, you got everything you need. What you need to understand is that there's a whole lot more to this life. And the most important thing is your own soul. And I will require you to give an account for how you steward the possessions you have. Here's what's amazing about this. Jesus is saying is that the way that we steward our possessions on this earth determines his response to us in the, in the rest of eternity. You see that? He goes, don't be foolish. You thought that like accumulating stuff was what this was about? You're missing the whole point. It all belongs to me. And then he goes further. He digs down deeper. Look at this. He says in verse 22, then he says to his disciples, therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink, what you're gonna wear, because I'm telling you, your Father in heaven knows you need these things, but you seek first the kingdom, and then he says what? And then these things will be added to you. You do things in the way that my Father asks you to do these things, and don't worry. He's gonna take care of your needs, because guess what? It all belongs to him. Now, what's interesting about this is he continues to say, listen, seek first the kingdom, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now look at the track of what Luke is laying out here. Luke is telling us Theophilus' about the kingdom and how it works. And then he spends this entire chapter saying, it's about money. There's a huge part here about money. In fact, the Pharisees are saying they've got it, but they're full of greed and wickedness. And he's teaching us, be careful that you're not actually full of greed and wickedness. That you don't actually have a part of yourself that says, yeah, 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 but I'm, I'm having a hard time. I'm barely scraping by. If my brother would give me some more money, I'd have plenty to share. Tell him to give me some money. And God goes, your life is worth a lot more than money. There's another place in the scripture that says, if you're faithful in little, you'll be given much. But I want to tell you something. When you're given much, it's more to steward for him. It's not your stuff. You guys with me? Jesus is saying it's not your stuff. In fact, he goes on in verse 35. Uh, yep, verse 35. He says, listen. He, he lays this out. He says, listen. You want to be a righteous servant. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master. What was that word? Yeah, master. You guys, we have one master. His name is Jesus Christ. And you know what? He made the world and he made you and me. How many of you just made your heart beat? How many of you just made your ability to draw breath? How many of you just made yourself able to have a cognitive choice right now? Every one of those things is a gift that he gave to us and he has a right to ask us how we stewarded what he gave. And Jesus is saying, listen, I love you, which is why I am not going to pull any punches here. The pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh is tempting you to try to do things your way. But I'm telling you, my kingdom, there is a way to do things. Number one, trade your desire to be the master of all things 
Surrender yourself to me and steward your finances and your life in such a way that I'm the master of them and I'm telling you what you gain is not only everything that you need in this life, but I'm gonna entrust you with even more to steward in eternity with me. Either way, it's all about stewardship. Do you see this? Now he lays this out and he says, he's the master, right? And, and he says to him, uh, uh, he says, blessed, blessed are those servants who the Lord finds doing my will when I come. Blessed are those servants that the Lord finds doing my will when I come. That I find you stewarding in such a way that people look at your life and they go, you are part of a different world, man. Like you're part of a different world. And when I find you doing that, people are, first of all, they're gonna look at this and say, this person, I might not even, I might not even believe what they believe, but I have to admit that they live like no one else does. I have to admit they're generous like no one else is. They're loyal and committed and faithful in a way and with an ethic that is unmatched in the world of what I've seen. They, I don't know what the deal is, but they don't live by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride of life. They're the most humble, faithful, diligent person I've ever seen. And I only know of a couple things they've done, and they told me not to tell anyone about it. But all I can say is, I've never seen anybody like that before. And I'm betting there's a whole bunch more they do that I don't even know about. Are you guys, are you guys seeing that? See, we're called to live like God and to manage our finances like God. And it certainly involves tithing, and it certainly involves generosity. And it's coming from a fullness of understanding that we're to steward things in a certain way because it's all his and he runs his kingdom in a certain way. Amen? Jesus then says, <laughs> this says, then Peter said to him, where your treasure is, there your heart is, 41, yeah. Then Peter says to him, Lord, um, do you speak this parable to us or to all people? So Peter's getting it, right? I love Peter because I'm like Peter. I'm like, just tell me how to win. Right? How many of you are like that? Like, I, don't, I didn't get in this life to lose. I want to win. Only no one. No one wants to win? Thank you. Okay, a couple of you. Praise God. Just show me how to do it. I want to win. I want to win at the game. Like, I don't mind if other people win, but I want to win too. And Peter's like, God, is, I'm noticing that you're saying like we could be great in the kingdom if we steward your stuff. And Jesus, and he says, so is this just for us? Is this available for everyone? Right? And then Jesus shares this story. Who then, verse 42, is that faithful and wise, what's that word, steward? Who is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and he begins to beat the male and female servants and eat and drink and be drunk, then the master of the servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and in an hour when he's not aware. And then he goes on to say that he'll say to that person, you're gonna get punished for this. And in fact, he says this. I'm just gonna read it in Jesus' words. Let me just start at verse 46. The master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him and in an hour when he's not aware. And he'll cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will will be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes will be beaten with a few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. What is Jesus saying? He goes, Peter, 
I like that question. And he says, here's what I'm telling you. You have had much committed to you because now you know how my kingdom works. And those that don't know about this, though they're still, they're still gonna have to answer for how they stewarded, but they didn't know. So I'm, I just love how fair this is too, that Jesus isn't just like, well, I don't care if they knew or not knew. They should have known. No, he's saying, listen, if you don't know, you didn't know. And so there'll be correction, but it's gonna be commensurate to the fact that you didn't, you didn't realize that this was part of the kingdom. You didn't realize that you were required to steward all of these things for your master. You thought you were the master. You thought this was your stuff. You thought you were supposed to do it the best as you thought how to do it. But he says, but here's what I'm telling you. The servant that knew, much has been entrusted. I've given you the keys to the kingdom. I've given you the ability to steward things in my way, in the way that I desire. And therefore now, you're not ignorant anymore, Peter. In fact, you've been given much and much will be required of you. Well, beloved, as of this moment, none of us is ignorant anymore. <laughs> Can you receive that? that? That God has given us all things. And what he's asking of us is to invest the talents, to invest the finances, to invest the things that have been entrusted us in such a way that we actually honor our master and steward everything that he's given us. Now that certainly is not, uh, that certainly it means that we're gonna tithe. Jesus said to the Pharisee, yes, you absolutely should tithe. He says, but it's more than just tithing. It's that you're living a life of generosity. You're living a life of justice. You're living a life of ethics and quality. Amen? Amen. So it's certainly, not, it's certainly not less than the tithe. It's actually more. But he goes further and says, listen, you need to understand everything you have is my stuff. So if you're, if you're coming and saying, well, I, I don't even know if I, I don't know if I really believe in that. Well, listen, Theophilus, Jesus just laid out to us in Luke 11 and 12 that he's saying, do you want the kingdom? Here's how it works. You need to pray for my kingdom to come. You need to steward the things that I've given you. It's only possible through the Holy Spirit, but it certainly involves your money as well as your words and your actions. These are Jesus's words. Now, many of us here in this house right now, and I certainly don't want to be well, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to apologize for anything. I, I don't think I said anything offensive, and I'm sorry if, if I have. But money is touchy because the truth is, as Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is also. So when someone comes in and says, oh, Jesus actually requires that you set aside a tenth in the principle of the tithe, and that that's not even all. You're actually generous and looking for ways to invest in the, the way to care for the poor and to invest in the endeavors that he's up to. He's actually requiring that you steward the things that you have in such a way that you build and continue to increase the wealth that he's given you because he wants to entrust you with more. But it's not your stuff, it's his stuff. So you don't wanna be like that person that just accumulated and thought it was all yours and then he says, okay, what'd you do with all the stuff I gave you to manage? And you go, well, I put it all in a barn for myself. And he goes, you fool. Like, <laughs> that wasn't even your stuff. You just traded stuff that you can't hold on to for something that's eternal. You misunderstood the whole point here. You see, finances is like the kindergarten of spirituality. It's the place where we reveal our own heart. It's the place where we learn to trust. And I wanna say this, so wherever you are right now in this, some of us, we live in a culture. I mean, our prayer is, lead us not into temptation. Well, this culture is a consumer culture. So we're tempted. I, I have three cars, I'm so rich. Like, if you own one car, you're in a 5% club in the entire world. In the entire earth, if you own one car, you're part of 5% of the population of the earth that owns a car. You're, you're rich beyond comprehension. 
If you own two cars, it drops even more. I own three. My wife has a car, a little, uh, little Corolla. I've got a really nice little uh, Ford Fusion that I love, and I have a truck. And if you want to borrow it, I do lend out my truck, but don't hurt it, okay? But here's the point. I'm so rich. I'm so rich. And most of us here might think like, um, why did I bring this up? Oh, just that we're so rich, right? That we're all like loaded beyond belief in comparison to the whole world. And many of us think like, well, yeah, if I had a lot of money, I'd be really generous. But what I'm telling you is, listen, you live in the richest nation in the entire world. Like even the most poor person in this room is more ridiculously rich than most people in the world. So, so, so you actually are not guiltless when it comes to saying, I don't have enough to steward. And the truth is he only asks you to be faithful with what you've been given, not with what you haven't been given. You don't have to answer for the million dollars you don't have. You just have to answer for the $10 you do. And so here's the invitation today. The invitation is number one, let the light of Christ shine in your heart right now. That there wouldn't be a part of your heart that actually is filled with greed and wickedness. That's what Jesus calls it. To where you're saying, I, I choose to continue to be the master of this and I'm not gonna submit myself to the teachings of Christ. I'm gonna define reality for myself. And I wanna say, please repent and turn from that and understand it's all his and say, Lord, if it's all yours, number one, that's awesome. That means all these problems are yours. And then number two, teach me how to steward this the way that you want it stewarded because he continues to bring things from strength to strength and glory to glory for his purposes. It's a lot more fun to be in partnership with God than to be an independent contractor with the devil. It's just true. So here's the step. That was the first one. Bring it before the Lord and say, God, is this true? I'm willing, I'm willing to repent. Two, God, teach me how to do this. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to learn. Many of us right now are leveraged in debt to the point where the idea of starting to set aside 10% and bringing it into the church and giving it to the Lord for the purposes of the kingdom, you're like, ha, uh, shoot, I already bought a third car. I, I pay my car payment. That was, ooh, it's the Lord's, whoops. Well, here's a baby step for you. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So repent and recognize like my life is actually out of calibration and I wanna encourage you, this is why we love Financial Peace University because it doesn't just tell you like start writing a tithe check and everything will work because I can tell you that doesn't. That alone doesn't. He requires more than that, like good stewardship of the rest of it because a fool spends everything he owns, the Bible says. So if you have a lifestyle where you're doing that, um, you need some other principles more than, not, more than tithing. I'm sorry, more than tithing, and you need to build on that because you should be saving and investing and taking care of your family. The scripture says, he who doesn't take care of his own family is worse than an unbeliever. So you gotta take care of your family. So there's some things that God wants to teach that belong to him that involve a budget and investing and long-term planning. So it's certainly not less than tithing, it's certainly more. But it, doesn't, but it doesn't negate that you need to be a person of generosity who does tithe and give and save and invest and look at these things as gods and steward them in line with them. And I will tell you this, it may not be instantaneous, but it will be profoundly, profoundly impactful for your spiritual life with the Lord, your partnership with him, and your ability to move out of, honestly, as Jesus would say, a... a well, he calls it hypocrisy, actually. Now, I'm not trying to name call, I'm just quoting scriptures, that you've got a part of your life where you're saying one thing, but you're living a different way. And so you're not a hypocrite. You just found out, oh, 
I didn't realize he cared about this part. So I want to encourage you to take Financial Peace University and learn how to walk out of this. And it's not like, oh, I'm a sinner until I get this in order. No, this is like a 12-step program. Like some of you didn't even know that this was something that was even to be considered. So I want to encourage you to start that journey with the Lord. And he's patient and he's kind and he's good, but he wants you to bring this part into the kingdom too. Can you receive that? I love you guys. It's such an honor to get to grow with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and may he give you shalom. The worship, I mean, the uh, prayer servant team is gonna come up if you want prayer today. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.